the Berry Bad Calcium Chloride Plan. This week, calcium chloride is inexplicably back on the agenda. Well, actually, no, it's not, but we'll talk about it anyway. Plus, we'll talk about the Epcor Solar Farm, the new rec center in Lewis Farms, and some Vision Zero news. Hi, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Municipally. Welcome back to Speaking Municipally, episode 43. We're in the throes of monsoon season here in Edmonton. Feels like it. I appreciate it because this office is now not 32 degrees, so in theory will be more agreeable this episode, but... I actually have a sweater on. Yeah, we'll see how the topics actually go. But first, on to the rapid fire. The Speaking Municipally patented Days Since Trans Mountain Has Been Approved Again and Reannounced display has been reset to zero again in what seems like the billionth time. While every provincial and federal politician seemed eager to get their two cents in and blame everyone else involved for the delay, no one involved blamed the climate emergency that was officially recognized Monday night. It's official. Rich people are an endangered species, at least according to the National Trust of Canada's 2019 list of most endangered places, which listed Edmonton's Glenora neighborhood. The National Trust argues that Edmonton's most historic neighborhood is being eroded by, quote, unchecked development, end quote. They go on to explain that Edmonton is developing character zoning that might play a role in combating this loss of historic resource. It does not mention that in these types of discussions, one needs to be aware of a significant caveat, Carruthers. The Edmonton Public Library has announced that it's revising its controversial decision to pay youth pages less under Kenny's new Young People Are Worth Less bill. A spokesperson for the library said, We realize we went a bit off book with this plan and we didn't do our research. Our plan fell from where it needed to be and we can only blame our shelves. Speaking Municipally is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. First up tonight, we're going to tell you about the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit, which happens on October 10th. The Wellness Summit is a day to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness. The focus this year is on what it takes to create healthy workplace cultures where everyone thrives. Supporting the health and wellness of employees is becoming a major consideration for many workplaces, and Blue Cross wants to connect the dots of what it takes to create healthier workplaces with happy people. The summit takes place at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel on October 10th, and you can learn more and register at thewellnesssummit.ca. So driving a bus is really hard. I'm very eager to hear about this. So usually I find myself frustrated that um, PR folks and communication folks haven't sent something to Taproot Edmonton as a media outlet. So thank you, Edmonton Transit, for including us in your 2019 ETS skills competition. I was unable to go, but Troy, you stepped up as a representative of Speaking Municipally, and I hear you may have harmed some pedestrians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got an a Slack message from you saying, oh, hey, Troy, do you want to drive a 40 foot bus? And my response was, why is this a question? <laughs> yes, I want to drive a 40 foot bus. So I did. Uh, yeah, it's the Transit Skills Rodeo, R-O-A-D-E. Okay. Yeah. But um, I went down on Saturday morning to the Windermere Transit Garage, which I have learned is not in Edmonton. Just like anything outside the Henday, that's no longer Edmonton. <laughs> not cyclable? Well, I cycled there oh, for sure. Wow. Um, okay. I got Snapchats crossing the Henday. I'm like, I'm leaving Edmonton, guys. But so I went down to the transit rodeo and it was stressful to say the least. I think the thing and kudos to ETS. This is the point of the program. Yeah. I gained a lot of appreciation for transit bus drivers. So for people who haven't driven a bus before, which is most of us. 
Those things are really powerful. If you let off the brake at all, it just scooches forward real fast. I mean, maybe it's 10 kilometers an hour, but on a 40 foot right. bus, that feels very fast. Yeah. But then when you press on that brake, it slams on the brakes. Right. So I was like inching forward, you know, as I'm trying to not knock over the pylons. And like, I felt really good about it. I'm like, look, I'm not hitting any of the pylons. And then did they give you any training to this point or they just put you in the bus? And basically it out? throw you in a bus. There's the gas. There's the brake. Okay. There's the parking brake. Okay. If you're backing up, honk the horn. Go. Uh, so that's pretty fun. Yeah, it was thrown right in the middle of it. Of course, Andrew Knack showed up just as I was starting. <laughs> I love so it. he was filming and heckling from the sidelines. I'm told that everyone heard. Oh, for someone who talks so much about Vision Zero, he's sure hitting a lot of pylons. <laughs> I love it. Uh, in the end, yeah, I haven't gotten my final scores yet, but I, if pylons were kids, I did not perform Vision Zero very well at all. How did you do compared to the other media folks that were there? We didn't get a ranking at okay. the end of it. Um, I definitely stuck around and watched some other media folk and others, and they did better than me. Yeah. Um. Some of them had been there for a couple of years. My pride and joy was when I was doing the backing up of a 40 foot bus. I didn't knock down a single pylon on either side. Nice. Um, I was like, this is really good. After I finished the course, I was informed. Oh, yeah, but you totally rolled over the dude standing behind the bus. <laughs> um, the dude, of course, in this case, being a pylon. Right. But, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. The takeaway from this is just. Transit drivers have it really hard. Right. And there was a point where, like, we've had some really unfortunate situations where bus drivers had killed pedestrians in crosswalks. And there's the one specific over in the West Edmonton where it's a consistent problem. And, like, I was always on side of, like, these transit drivers need to be charged. Pay more attention or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It is really hard driving a bus and it is a skilled job. And the fact that it doesn't happen more, I think, is a ringing endorsement of our transit drivers. Definitely, like, the buses need to have safety. Like, there's a blind spot on one sure. side. And, like, there's no backup cameras on any of the buses. So all of the transit operators were like, oh, yeah, you just need to know how big your bus is. This is why they don't back up frequently on public roads. But maybe the next time your bus driver is, like, being a real jerky driver going back and forth and then gunning it down the road, maybe cut them some slack. Yeah. Um, they didn't knock over all the pylons. The final point I'll add on that is uh, Andrew Knack, towards the end of his course, really just like straight up drove up onto the sidewalk with the bus and then managed to take off some concrete from the sidewalk <laughs> oh, wow. as he was performing the turn. So good thing he doesn't spend his whole ward budget. <laughs> they can fix that. Um, moving on just a little bit to I want to take you back to episode 35, which was we're not trying to droop you, but we might get a core zone probably our most listened to episode it is in fact our most listened to episode um kudos and we're throwing back to it now so it'll probably get even more lessons you should go check it out if you haven't already listened it's a good episode on one point of the episode and it's it bothered me a little bit because yeah. i took a really hard position in that episode i was i called out jerry shimko the director of vision zero by name and i'm like why does this dude still have a job yeah, like you were unimpressed with his remarks at uh, council yeah uh, in a nutshell i found he both misrepresented or intentionally lied about facts to council right and then when he was called on it didn't correct the record so that was a pretty inexcusable in my mind found out today he is no longer with the city very little information on this file overall uh 
I just have confirmation that he's left with the city. The rumor mill that had been circulating was that he was fired from the city and he wasn't the only one. That's something I'm still looking into. We can't confirm that, but we do know for sure he's no longer at the city. He's been there since October of 2006. Even if this was a voluntary leave, like, that's a big change. This is represents a pretty significant shift in how the department is managed because he was the Office of Traffic Safety guy before the Office of Traffic Safety was Vision Zero and all this sort of change happened. So whether... This represents maybe a potential for a fresh new take to come in because mm-hmm. he predates our Vision Zero strategy. Right. Maybe it is something that wasn't jiving with him personally. I don't know. I'm optimistic because, like I said in the Core Zone episode, which everyone should go listen to, what I saw from administration overall was very, very positive. Right. There was just some holdouts that seemed to be the older holdouts. So we have a query into the city of Edmonton for more information on who's fulfilling the role uh, now that he's no longer with the city, and we'll keep you informed about that when we hear back. Absolutely. Normally when we're preparing these episodes, you do the council roundup every week, which is a great basis for like preparing an episode. We have this roundup of here's all the things that are coming up, and then we can talk about them when they come up. You were doing the council roundup this week, and then you compared it to what council was talking about, and there was something different. The two weren't the same. Yeah, I mean, this has happened a few times. Uh, sometimes they'll hold reports back or whatever. In this case, what they ended up doing was releasing a report early. So we got next week's reports on Wednesday this week. And the report was all about calcium chloride, or as they like to say, snow and ice control. I think we'll address first your thoughts, because you had some pretty strong thoughts about, is it appropriate for us to be talking about calcium chloride this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I just looked at it and said, you know, it wasn't on the agendas for what's coming up. Uh, in in the case of an individual who might want to go and make sure they're able to listen to what council has to say about an issue, like there was no notice that that was going to come up. Now, to be fair, I don't know that it was actually discussed at council today in the public hearing, the extended Monday's public hearing uh, for today to talk about the solar farm, which we'll get into. Um, but they still had lots of comments about it. I heard Mike Nickel on CBC this afternoon before I came over here talking about calcium chloride, for instance. And so in a way, it's good that the report came out early because we've got more time before it goes to committee next week. But on the other hand, people have already said stuff. Councillors have already put their positions out there and discussed it before anyone even knew that this was going to come up. And then it also sort of diminishes the importance of the things that actually were on the agenda this week. So I think that's a problem. And and council has previously brought, I should say, council had previously brought this up, right? And they had talked about maybe we can release reports earlier to give people more notice. And then they sort of went back and forth on that. But, you know, occasionally they'll release a report like this early and it just sort of disrupts the media cycle for all of the other things that were on the agenda that are also important to talk about. I think it's really interesting how this plays into council's ask for earlier reports, because I think this sort of shows that council can't be trusted to get earlier reports because the point of, you know, the report and the committee cycle is you get a report, the public can speak about it to committee and then committee speaks to the media and then councillors form their opinions and then they go to council next week and they make a decision. Right. What we've seen with this earlier release of a calcium chloride report is council gets the report a little bit early. They start to grok it. Then they start grandstanding to the media, drawing their lines in the sand. Exactly. And then they hear from the public next week. Um, probably not the most effective thing. They'll probably need to get a handle on that if they want earlier reports. I would think so. Uh, but I want to talk a bit about the report itself because we didn't expect this, but if you go back in our earlier episodes, I was actually on side of calcium Mm -hmm. chloride. 
saying, look, the city of Edmonton used more salt. And there's a lot of explainable reasons for um, why this might have gone poorly. And we shouldn't blame calcium chloride. Right. You've changed your tune. I have changed my tune. And there's one... (laughs) There's one reason that I've changed my tune, and it's because the company organizing the calcium chloride and doing the contract with the city of Edmonton, they reached out to us and tried to justify their position. And oh boy, did that cause a backslide. I want to read you some of the stuff that was sent. So one of the... So the company is Tiger Calcium, Mm -hmm. right? And they've been given the contract to do this? It's unclear whether they're just searching trying to get the contract right or whether they they mentioned that they were used in the pilot but okay. the pilot doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be used in general right it is unclear their status with the city of edmonton but i do know that they have been lobbying pretty significantly with city council so i think it's safe to say they want a bigger contract so they have a product tiger calcium does called road guard plus and we have both an faq sheet and a myth busting sheet mm-hmm. i want to read you one of the myth busting sheet sections so it gives you know a myth that occurred and then it busts them uh, yeah yeah so the myth is um a quote from a cbc news article on january 16th 2019 quote Anti-icing agent damages Edmonton roads, study shows, obviously a headline, and there, busted, was this article refers to a study done in early 2018 before the city of Edmonton began using Tiger Calcium's Road Guard Plus trademark inhibited calcium chloride anti-icing for its anti-icing pilot project. Road Guard Plus trademark includes an organic-based corrosion inhibitor that protects vehicles, roads, and infrastructure from corrosion. I'm not an expert in trademark law. (laughs) I don't know that you need to put the TM on every instance of your product name and every piece of documentation you ever have. When I see that, I see that as, oh, we're really shoving down your throat. The Tiger Calcium's product is only our product and it's a proprietary product and you need to appreciate and buy our product. Put me off a little bit. Well, they'd probably rather have you talk about Road Guard Plus than just calcium chloride. I don't know if it's my belligerence and just like, my anti-authoritarian streak but when i read that myth busting sheet with all the trademarks and with them selling the product yeah it really it really turned me around the other thing that i'd like to sort of talk about is in the body of the email that was sent to us by the alberta council so it was through a lawyer right Uh, it wasn't just the company reaching out I want to say in good faith, maybe, maybe good faith is the wrong word to prescribe either way. It wasn't a marketing person. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it was, it was a lawyer. So they were clearly suiting up to, for a fight. And one of the quotes they gave to us is, not many people are aware that in year one of the anti-icing pilot 2017, the city made a last minute decision to go with a cheaper anti-icing solution that did not include a corrosion inhibitor. A misapplication of a low quality product combined with an overapplication of salt likely led to the increase in corrosion reports. Towards the end of the 2018 winter, the city switched to using Road Guard Plus. Interestingly, no trademark in this section. Not in that one. Uh, a Tiger Calcium anti-icing solution with a corrosion inhibitor. So that reveals two things to me. One is that calcium chloride definitely causes corrosion. That is a tacit confirmation of everything that everyone has said and that it's their corrosion inhibitor that's proprietary. Right, right. That's what makes their solution special in their mind. Yeah. So 100% of what people are saying about calcium chloride apparently is bang on there. 
and they're just saying, oh, well, we need to, you need to use our product because calcium chloride will destroy cars and roads. In which case I'd say, well, maybe let's find a different solution. You're on side now, I should point out, with Councillor Mike Nickel, <laughs> who, uh, as I mentioned earlier, was in the news uh, quite, a bit, uh, quite a bit today talking about this. Uh, he said, I still don't believe the program will work. It's damaging our infrastructure, our cars, it's killing our plants, and it's not making our roads any safer, end quote. And he also talked about hearing from whistleblowers on city staff. And then he has this great quote, I thought. He says, I won't lie. That's where I get my best information. <laughs> Kind of suggesting that, you know, administration is is hiding something, not maybe unlike this email from Tiger Calcium about the switch of, of what they were actually using on the roads. Well, and this wouldn't be the first time that administration has hid something. Or withheld about, information, we'll say. Well, we can even go even more aggressively because winter sand recycling, again, a road clearing and winter safety strategy. That was a case where the city of Edmonton straight up lied to city council and different departments about how much they were saving. And they actively, what was it on the order of $50 million it ended up costing something like that. So it's, it is not unprecedented for um, misinformation around winter road management to crop up. So I, I appreciate Mike Nichols' skepticism here. Right. And words I'd never thought I'd say. <laughs> so if it's not calcium chloride or Road Guard Plus, and we should look at another solution, what, what is that? I'm not a technical expert. Uh, I can't. That's fine. Mike Nichols fielded the question on the radio, and guess what he said? Uh, go back to the way we used to do it? Tried and true sand. So I've... There's, is there not a reason that we moved away from sand? Yeah, and I've fought this fight before on the internet. Um... The When people say something used to work, so it should continue to work, there's this cool little thing called climate change. <laughs> um, it, we can't simultaneously get mad at climate change deniers and then still say our winter strategy can only ever stay the same and cannot adapt to changing climate. We have a significantly more freeze-thaw cycles now and the, the winters are different. It's a different beast. The one final piece I'll put on this is I think when I stepped back and really thought about what put me off the calcium chloride is mm. I felt like I was being lobbied to like this wasn't someone selling me on the merits of the product. There was no like chemical formulas and like actual science showing freezing and melting points. It was just a bunch of trademark symbols on a product. So I felt like I was being lobbied to. And that made me look into Tiger Calcium, the company that was lobbying me. And I found out that Tom Hodson, the CEO of Tiger Calcium, is the former president and COO of Smart Technologies. You know, those whiteboards in every school that are bad and you wish the school didn't pay several tens of thousand dollars per classroom on? Yeah, that same company. <laughs> well, you're drawing a connection there that maybe is a little bit unfair. Maybe. But I take your point. When I was in school, every time I saw a smart board, I thought, how good at lobbying does this company have to be to convince school boards that this technology was worth any money at all and even more so worth the money that they paid for it? Um, so interesting connection. Readers, okay, okay. Um, Max going to temper my point here, um, but at some point you got you to gotta raise that question in your head. Back in my day, we didn't have smart boards. Well, yeah, but back in your day, when you were walking uphill both ways through the blizzard, you could just clear that road with a regular plow and sand. That is very true. That is very true. This will come up at committee next week, June 26th. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that. But 
honestly, not too much more. I don't think we're going to find out anything new because I'm pretty sure counselors have already yeah. drawn their lines in the sand or salt corrosion inhibitor product. Do you want to make a prediction? Are we canceling the pilot? Yes. Um, I think there's no way this pilot goes forward. You have even counselors like Paquette drawing strong no, no, no. Yep. So I don't think that it's just it's political dead weight. Even if it does more effectively clear roads and save money, there's just no way council's going to take the political heat on it. But still on the climate change segment, yeah. there was uh, more talk. You said public hearing got extended today. We're recording on Wednesday to hear more about the solar panel project in Edmonton's River Valley. Yeah. So there's a proposal to build a renewable energy device. That's what they call it. It's really a solar power plant in the River Valley, and it would be adjacent to the E.L. Smith water treatment plant. Um, and it would not only uh, supply power to that plant, but align with our strategies around energy transition and, and targeting uh, 10% of electricity generated locally by 2035. So council had the opportunity to hear from speakers about this. They heard about the importance of the location in the River Valley to the indigenous communities and the, the history that's there. And ultimately, they've put the project on hold and asked for more information. Mm -hmm. Do you think council needs more information? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure when I read this, it was like a 112-page report about uh, the impacts of it. So I'm sure that information is not what is needed here. But that's what council likes to do. When you mentioned that the decision was more information, my initial response was, no, council doesn't want more information. They want EPCOR to go back and look at this specific thing and then come up with a new plan and then propose it to city council so that city council can just say yes instead of having to say no and make a decision. Right. Um, the only other thing I'll say on this is there was a couple articles that came out this week, one of them mentioning that EPCOR could just buy wind energy for cheaper than building the solar array and that's still green energy and right. accomplishes the same goal this is putting solar panels in the river valley it seems like such a baffling plan to me solar panels the advantage of them is you can put them on top of any building maybe a new composting recycling facility built with a new solar roof all of these are options <laughs> there's no reason in my mind that we need to have this contentious river valley fight if we're going to develop the river valley and have the discussion about development in the river valley yep Let's do it for something that matters. Like a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> or a Nordic spa. Or something, or, yeah. Or a gondola. I, this is what Councillor Paquette said. He said, quote, the thing that really bothers me is we're not even considering another option. He said that's extremely troublesome for me personally trying to keep an open mind, end quote. Epcor came with this finished plan that sort of came out of nowhere. It's like, okay, wh why, why here? Why is this the right decision? And it was just, Given that this is the decision we're making, here's the justification for it. It's backwards thinking. So I have a correction to make. Okay. Already. Oh. It's a 524-page report. Okay. I wow. remembered it was large, but clearly I got the number off. <laughs> this is the type of shotting reporting <laughs> that you can expect on Speaking Municipally. Um, we'll move on because this is going to... It's on hold. I, I'm expecting this project's going to get killed, but we'll, we'll keep you updated we'll hear more as it happens. It. But one thing that we don't have to keep you updated about really anymore because it's a done deal is the Lewis Farms Rec Center. It got dunned. Yeah. So we talked about this a lot during the budget last fall and into um, into the Christmas season. It was one of the projects that was approved but held in abeyance. And they wanted to report back on how they could 
reduce the cost of it. We talked a little bit about um, Councillor Zadek and his proposal to cut the arts uh, 1% from the budget. Recommendation was to basically receive the report for information which would release the funds, and that's what happened. So $321 million project. It, the report says it'll go out to tender in 2020 and could be open in 2025. One point I'd like to bring up here is because, and I even did it, I said the Lewis Farms Rec Center. This is more than a rec center. Yeah. It is a rec center. It's a library. It's a, what did they call it? High school completion center. So it is. It's a big facility. Yeah. It's a community services center. Sure. 321 million, big price tag. But for a library and a rec center with an Olympic sized pool, like, I don't know that we're overpaying. For this i think we're just asking for a lot um the question i'd have is is this within our development strategies and our city plan to have this mega center in somewhere that's even when the valley line west is done won't be served by lrt or transit in a material way is this the right decision right i mean this goes back to that discussion around you know we're talking about building denser neighborhoods and creating alternate modes of transportation so you don't have to drive everywhere and then we get rid of your neighborhood pool or your neighborhood rink or you know your neighborhood library and if we do that then we're not really supporting those other objectives so this is a rec center and a larger facility that's been in the works for a long time so maybe you could make the argument that it predates some of those directions and maybe the next one that comes up will see a different approach taken but we're going to get one at least one more mega center yeah and at some point you have to go back to my earlier argument don't let perfect be the enemy of good we could cancel the rec center project right now and then spend another seven years doing a bunch of small community centers or we could just provide services to the people of the city one thing i thought was interesting very quickly uh, adam lachlan uh, mentioned that the funding approval comes with a 55 million dollar contingency built in Sounds like a lot. That's a lot. On a $321 million budget, in part because of the soil conditions where it'll be built. I didn't look into this further. I have no idea what's going on with the soil conditions there, but that sounds like a big contingency. That's a scary contingency because if you're thinking, I'm going to put $55 million on $321 into soil contingencies, what's the probability that you find something really scary down there <laughs> and just like spend an extra $120 million? Um, or what's the probability that it's just actual soil and it's fine and you save 55 million? That's a huge swing either right, way. Right. We mentioned last week that uh, council was debating lifting the housing moratorium in the five core neighborhoods uh, for supportive housing and subsidized housing. And did that happen? It did. Cool. The Any mayor, updates? The mayor's office tweeted that council took a human rights based approach and lifted the moratorium. Um, after a much-needed pause to establish a coherent citywide approach. So basically what we said last week. Yeah. Uh, just goes to show you, on Speaking Municipally, we are soothsayers, and everything we predict for the future <laughs> 100% comes true. You can take that to the bank. But another thing you can take to the bank is your check for reading this ad. This episode of Speaking Municipally is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. It's a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and making Edmonton its creative best. You can join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations all dedicated to getting things done, including you and Karen. Both of you are Unit B members. We are. We work out of there most of the time. We've recorded a couple episodes of Speaking Municipally out of Unit B. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio, meeting spaces, and well as it has a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and all the usual amenities. 
uh, you can book a tour at unitb.ca. And that's all for this week. You're not here next week. I'm not. I'm out of town next week, so you're not doing the show solo, though. No, we will have a special guest host. We're pretty sure it's going to be Julie Cusick. Um, nice. I'll probably edit this out if it's not her, but <laughs> if this is still in, you'll hear me and Julie next week, and we'll be talking about happenings in city council as well as some recent news media covered around her. So, she was in the news. Yeah. Uh, we really like those newsworthy people on Speaking Municipally. But that's all for this week. Until next week, I'm Troy. I'm Mac. And we're Speaking Speaking Municipally. Municipally.